Hi everyone, I'm Jason Scorse and welcome to another episode of Dispatch from the Zombie Apocalypse. Hope everybody is hanging in there as the west coast of the United States burns and uh, election shenanigans increase and uh, it's full-on zombie time. And that is actually the main topic of today's episode, zombies on the rise. And what do I mean by that? Something is going on in America and other parts of the world where it seems like there is a rise in kind of cult and cult-like behavior and people who are believing more and more outlandish conspiracy theories and that this is really leading pretty large segments of the people to really lose their minds. And I think the long-term consequences, putting aside just this upcoming election, are quite dire if we don't get a handle on it. And so I'm going to talk about what I mean here and elaborate on a theory that I have that I'm actually running by some of my colleagues who really work in counterterrorism, role of technology, kind of psychological uh, understandings of kind of extremist behavior. And so I will report back to you on what they say about this theory. But I want to just throw it out there and kind of use this podcast to elaborate it. And, uh, and just, again, put it out there in the ether. And so I'm going to start this first segment here, a little bit of kind of the history, even if anecdotal, and then a couple things that happened to me in my personal life that made me realize something is going on here that we need to explain. And probably a lot of you all are feeling something similar, and that's why I think this will resonate with you. So let me start with just a little history here, right? So I grew up in the 1970s and 80s, and there were plenty of cults that I was aware of, kind of even if tangentially when I was a little older, you know, through the news and you're just kind of seeing strange stuff. After all, I was in New York City where you see a lot of strange stuff. So there was, for those people who know, there was the Jim Jones cult, which ended up in that mass suicide down in Guyana. If you're too young to know about that, look it up. It's a really, really horrific uh, episode. Uh, this guy, you know, had convinced a lot of mostly poor black and Latino um, people that he was the kind of savior and he was going to save them from the ills of society. And they literally, you know, this cult moved down to Guyana and had built a commune out in the jungle. But when it was failing... Um, and it was clear that it was, you know, um, going to fail. They, he, he urged everybody to drink poison, including children, and almost everybody died. Uh, a couple people escaped, but it was many hundreds of people. A congressman who had gone down to check on the people, because it was mainly people from his district, was murdered. So a congressman was murdered. It was, it's just a really horrific chapter in American history, and a real serious cult with a really bad ending. But then there's the Moonies, you know, there was the Korean cult, there's the Harry Krishnas, you know, the kind of Indian cult, 
And then, of course, there's always been like televangelists and all kinds of weird Christian cults, um, although they're they're more mainstream. So, you know, they're not considered cults as much. But the key point here I want to say is that these things were pretty fringe. It's not to say that there weren't large numbers of people. There were large numbers of people in the Moonies and Hare Krishna. And again, televangelicals, you know, have a lot of following. But it was still in, you know, and again, this is anecdotal. I don't know of good data on this, but it was still in the low percentages, right? It was, you know, a, a very small fraction of the society. And so cults were really like to say someone was in a cult was like a really fringe thing. And, you know, you might have seen it around, but very few people knew anybody in one of these, right? Or at least people I know. It was, again, a very fringe phenomenon. It was always there. And let me be clear, this has always existed through humanity. It exists in every culture. This is not unique to America. My point being here, though, is that it was a very, very small number of people. You know, fractions of a percent, low single-digit percentages, but not a mass movement. Okay. So something feels new now, right? And this is partly around Trump, right? There is definitely a cult of personality around Trump that has very large numbers of people now in the tens of millions who aren't just supporting him, but really in this cult where up is down, black is white, and they've lost all touch with factual objective reality. And so two stories to illustrate this. I have a former student, great guy, super liberal, super smart, and when he graduated, uh, his parents came to visit and you know for graduation, and we went out to dinner. He was a good student of mine, and they wanted to meet me, and we went out to uh, you know dinner in in California, in Central California, a nice restaurant by the coast. And his dad, this was you know six seven months after the election, you know it was May 2017. His dad had a Make America Great Again shirt. So, you know, again, like I, 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 what I always profess is that I, I oppose ideologies, but not individuals. So I was entirely cordial and nice to this guy. And I kind of was chiding him a little like, how, how's that turning out for you? This make America great. Cause already six months in or five months into the administration, it was a, you know, it was a shit show of lies and, and, and nonsense, but he was really into it. And he was joking like, oh, I didn't think you guys in California would let me wear this shirt. And I was like, you know. It's a free country, man, you know, if you do what you want. But anyway, had a nice dinner. You know, I'm not super psyched to be around Trump supporters, but, you know, uh, not going to, you know, I'm not going to turn anybody away. Everybody's an individual. Everyone deserves respect, right? So I checked in with this student of mine. Here it is, you know, three and a half years later, three plus years later. And I said, hey, you know, hundreds of thousands dead, corruption, treason, continual lying, you know, are your are your folks off the Trump train? And he wrote back to me that it is exactly the opposite, that they're more in it than ever, that COVID is a hoax, that it's being used to destroy religion and Christianity. Uh, you know, Joe Biden's a pedophile, blah, blah, blah. He then said that he kind of drove through Trump country recently, and he's never seen more cult-like devotion to a person. And so that was the first thing, you know, again, not hugely surprising in the sense that, you know, these people were Trump supporters then. And and again, very few people have gotten off the sinking ship. Uh, But just the way he 
he mentioned it was pretty intense, you know, how they've gotten even more into the conspiracy theories and he's been around a lot of people and his pointing out, you know, this cult-like status. Many of you know who've listened to this podcast, I was calling the GOP and the, the Trump crew a cult years ago. I'm pretty sure I was one of the first and now I think many pundits and commentators and comedians are catching on. So I hear the Trump base referred to as a cult much more, and I'm glad to see that people are catching on. But now I'll let me move on to the second story here. So I live in a liberal town in California by the coast, but I live in a, a, a part of it where there's actually quite a number of Republicans and Trump supporters. So, you know, whenever I, I kind of always laugh when people talk, oh, oh, I'm in the liberal bubble, get out of your liberal bubble. And I'm like, yo, I got Trump supporters across the street from my house. So I don't know what liberal bubble you're talking about. What people don't understand is that, yes, in Wyoming or Arkansas, you know, it's 70% of people like Trump. But even if it's 30% in California, that's still one out of three people. You know, there, there, there's no parts of the United States where there aren't a lot of people who believe crazy stuff and support this this sociopath so i'm walking down the street in my neighborhood the other day walking my dog and there's this petite little indian woman who i've seen before at the end of the block and um she's you know she goes up to my dog and starts petting it and clearly my my girlfriend has kind of interacted with her a lot more than me because she's like oh this is Belle, and oh your dog's so cute and this is the day when you know, the sky was red because of the fires. So it was a very eerie, almost science fiction-like day. And it's early in the morning. This is like, you know, 6.37 in the morning. And so I, I mentioned something about how crazy things are. And the woman's, this is what should have teed me off right away. But she goes, oh, she goes, well, you know, we just have to pray to God that God will take care of everything. And so I said, you know, I said, hey, prayer is cool and everything. But I think we got to take care of it. That uh, prayer is not enough. You know, we, we're in charge here. We can take care of things. And so we started going on a little, and I got a little political. I mentioned something about Trump, and she got a little quiet. And I kind of, kind of, you know, um, teed me off here to that she was probably a Trump supporter. And, you know, we started talking a little more, and she said something. She goes, you know, well, you know, both sides do, do bad things. They just legalized pedophilia in California. So I said, wow. I said, that's crazy. Well, explain this to me. She told me about this new law that was legalizing pedophilia, and she's really into saving the children. Everything to her is about saving children, and, you know, that's her. And I said, well, I said, I definitely agree with you that protecting children is important. And I said, yeah, you know, you can tell a lot by, uh, by a society how it protects children. We have the highest rates of child poverty, highest rates of um, maternal mortality of any advanced country. So I said, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you that we should emphasize saving children. But I said, look, I work with a lot of California politicians. I'm going to go home and, and take a look at what you're claiming here. I've never heard this before. Uh, and, you know, because I think that if that's true, that would be horrible. Now, again, I, of course, thought what she was saying was some nonsense. But you know, she just seemed like a, you know, reasonable person at that moment, despite the, you know, the the, devote, the devout religiosity. So later that day, when I'm home, I googled, you know, pedophilia California law. Right away, three articles come up, you know, the Guardian, you know, the Independent, you know, pretty serious news sources saying how this is a fake news story put on 
that's gone on viral on Facebook, and it's a QAnon conspiracy. And so I did not know this because I don't, you know, go down the rabbit hole of conspiracies. But QAnon, their hashtag is Save the Children. So somehow, again, they've convinced millions of people around the world that, uh, and particularly in the United States, that, you know, the Democrats are running a pedophilia ring and Donald Trump is going to, you know, save the children, right? Now, again, the irony of this is beyond measure, right? Since Trump basically, you know, with his hand on his daughter's ass is joking about fucking her and, you know, he's raped dozens of women and, you know, you know, he's just, you know, probably the, the, the worst, you know, misogynist you can imagine that somehow Donald Trump is the savior of children, right? And that the Democratic Party, right? The party where Hillary Clinton created the Children's Health Insurance Program that, you know, decreased child poverty and helped millions of children for decades. You know, they're the evil ones running the sex trafficking pedophilia rings. Add to that that Donald Trump and Jeffrey Epstein were buddies and the woman who helped Jeffrey Epstein rape children um, has now been arrested. And Trump was tweeting, you know, I hope, I hope she does well. Hope she's doing good. So literally the president was wishing well an accomplice to child rape, you know, just months ago. But somehow in the QAnon batshit world, he's, you know, the savior of children. So anyway, I wrote a little note to, to my friend down the block and left it on her mailbox. She's like, hey, as promised... I checked into that. It's fake news. This is being, you know, this is by people who are trying to spread fear and confusion. You know, pedophilia is not legal in California. In fact, the law, all the law change was, was that pedophilia was not um, defined consistently uh, in, in the statutes because like gay sex and different types of sex were treated differently. So the law was any type of sex with a minor is pedophilia. And so it was actually the opposite. It was actually trying to equalize the law. But again, you know, facts and reality don't have anything um, to do with these, you know, QAnon conspiracy nut jobs. By the way, the, the, the conspiracy QAnon woman in Georgia, who was going to probably be a congresswoman in the, in the next session, now the Democratic challenger dropped out. So she is guaranteed to be a congresswoman. So a QAnon conspiracy theorist is guaranteed to be in Congress in 2021. So anyway, so the point being here is I think something larger is going on, right? That we're seeing cult-like stuff happening spread out across America, all geographies, all demographics, all age groups, all ethnicities. And it's not, it's not as fringe as it was anymore, right? Again, we have a QAnon conspiracy theorist who will be a congresswoman next year. And I think she might not be the only one. So, and again, we would have never had a James, you know, a James, a Jamestown a conspiracy theorist guy in Congress. We would never have a Harry Krishna in Congress, right? So what is it? How are these things increasing, right? And that's the, the zombies on the rise element of this, right? Which is, I really think, and again, I'm going to try to get some data to back this up, but I think there's something new going on where conspiracy theories and cult-like groups are emerging at a much higher rate and much more uh, spread out across society than before. Obviously, this is incredibly dangerous and something we better get a handle on. 
And so after the break, I'm going to come back with the theory I have to explain, I think, what's going on. So uh, more after the break. Something happening here What it is ain't exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop Children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down Okay, so what is going on here, right? You know, why are cults and cult-like behavior increasing? As you might guess, it has a lot to do with technology and what technology is enabling. So let's go back and think about these cults from 20, 30, 40 years ago. The Moonies, the Harry Krishnas, the Jim Jones, right? This was a, a, these were movements that really required a lot of intense brainwashing and physical isolation and close physical proximity to groups, right? Because what cults do is they kind of immerse you in an alternative reality so that you lose, you know, your connections to objective reality. And a lot of this is by, again, isolating you away from things that you're familiar with and getting you kind of indoctrinated into new things that if everybody believes them around you, it becomes easier for you to just kind of accept them as real, right? So now, given the demands of a cult, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, there was not that many people who were going to really be susceptible to this type of brainwashing because of what it required, right? How many people are going to spend lots of time in a Hare Krishna center, how many people are going to move to Guyana to follow a leader? Right? How many people are going to leave their families and their jobs? Right? So again, it was there was just very limiting factors that made it the the really it was a they were viewed as fringe movements because they really were fringe. There just wasn't a huge number of people who was uh, who were involved with them. Now let's enter the technology of today. We have smartphones. We got social media, YouTube. And Fox News, right? And these technologies have created the conditions for indoctrinating people into a cult in ways that were not possible decades ago, right? So the, the constraints to getting into a cult have been shattered by these technologies, right? These technologies allow people to literally, you know, think about YouTube. You go on one QAnon video and then you're there and it keeps playing them and it starts playing the more extreme ones, the ones to get you more addicted and get a more emotional rise. You don't even have to do anything. It just keeps playing them, playing them. You go down the rabbit hole. Then you get on a couple groups and you create your Facebook group. So now you're on the next group of cult members and they're sending you lots of information. You're getting the notifications on your phone. Then every now and then you turn on the news to get back to kind of out of that social media kind of YouTube bubble. You go on Fox and it's the same kind of reinforcement of the cult-like um, propaganda and misinformation. So what's happened here, and this is the hypothesis that I'm positing, is that the conditions 
to indoctrinate someone into a cult were very restrictive before the advent of these two new technologies. Now with smartphones, the internet, and the right-wing kind of hermetically sealed bubble completely reinforcing, you can have a 17-year-old kid in their parents' basement in Alaska or a 70-year-old man in his garage in Ohio, and they can be getting the same type of indoctrination and brought into a cult with really little effort. They don't have to leave their family. You don't have to leave their job. They don't have to spend months in retreats, you know, you know, getting um, you know, just around people who follow the cult. They basically have we have been able to recreate cult-like indoctrination um, realities through technology, and so this is absolutely terrifying, right? This means that we can we can create cults with much much greater ease. And look at the the Trump phenomenon, right? Trump literally has lied about everything. He is the biggest liar in the probably the world. And the lying about stuff that's incredibly consequential, you know, life and death, and yet these people really have cult-like fealty to him. And again, this is tens of millions of people, right? Now, what I think is even perhaps more disturbing is that we're learning that there was probably a much greater number of people in society, a latent pool of people susceptible to this type of indoctrination than we realize. Because again, 20, 30 years ago, if it's 1% of the population, 2%, the thinking is, is was 1% to 2% of the people are crazy or are insane or have, you know, these have had extreme misfortune in their life that they've ended up in a cult. What I think is incorrect about that is probably there are a lot more people who have the same kind of personality traits and predisposition to enter a cult. But now with technology, that can be triggered. And so what we're finding now is that there's a lot more people that are susceptible to being in a cult than we had originally thought. And again, harken back to the woman down my block. This is a woman who lives in a wealthy neighborhood in central California. And, you know, somebody's walking the dog and she's talking to them and she throws out QAnon conspiracy theories. This is not the type of stuff that would have happened 20 to 30 years ago. First of all, it would have been unlikely, I would say, that this type of woman would have been in a cult. It's not impossible because, again, there were there have been plenty of examples of middle class and educated people being in cults. So the, the key point here is it's not, not necessarily a level of education. It's other personality traits that make you susceptible to this type of you know, propaganda. However, you know, what's the chance that you would just start dropping QAnon stuff you know, on the street when you're talking to your neighbor? Right? Like this seems a little different to me. You know, CNN went to the Trump rally in Michigan, right? He's having indoor rallies where people are not social distancing, not wearing masks. And they, they were asking the people, you know, what aren't you worried? I mean, these are basically super spreader events, right? The, the president of the United States is engaging in super spreader events. And these people were just, it's a hoax. It's not real. It's just the flu. You know, every kind of wild conspiracy theory. And again, this is the base for the president of the United States. Now, the point being here is with these constraints gone, with YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, uh, and all these kind of extreme right-wing propaganda channels, you know, basically zapped into people's pockets 24 hours a day and then reinforced through the kind of the next layers of right-wing propaganda, 
we're really realizing that there's a lot of people that can be sucked down a rabbit hole really quickly and find themselves, you know, completely overwhelmed by all this disinformation that they get, you know, brainwashed by. Because again, when you're when you're you're, you're you're spouting stuff to your neighbor about you know conspiracies of child sex rings and Democrats are running and there's you know there's a special cabal and you know and 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 Donald Trump is the savior, you know you're you're really insane. You're you're out to lunch, right? You've really lost your connection with objective reality. And so you know again, I'm running this theory by some of my colleagues. But this is um, this is this is pretty terrifying stuff. Uh, so after the break, I'll come back with some ideas of where this might be heading, and uh, something certainly we need to consider. Okay, so where does this all lead? Clearly, I really do not know, but I just have some ideas. Just to reiterate, I think this portends some very, very dark times ahead. Right? If it turns out that it's not 1, 2, 3% of humanity that can be indoctrinated into a cult, but 20%, 30%, 40%, right? These numbers that used to be suppressed but have now been unleashed by technology, this level of insanity will ha- we have to consider, is this something that modern societies can withstand? You know, what is the threshold? Where is the breaking point where so many people are, you know, untethered from reality that you can't have, you know, a civil society, a body politic that functions? And again, I think America is not that far away from that threshold. I mean, again, I'm going to, I think the, those of you who listen to this know, right, this election is not just the most important election of our lifetime to date. This is the most important election of our lifetime, period, no matter how old you are. Because again, I think if Trump steals this election, and I'm, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more as we get closer about how there is no way he can win but he can steal it. If he steals this election and we are left with four more years of a Trump fascist presidency and these conspiracy nut jobs are further elevated, I think it's pretty much the end of America for any foreseeable time frame. Right? If you just compound the issue with the, the right-wing courts, the, you know, the budget deficits, the craziness, the lying, the disinformation, the racism, the environmental destruction. This is, I don't think, will be reparable in our lifetimes. I think on the ballot right now is literally a livable, sane America, whether that is even a possibility. And I think four more years of Trump, and it is not a possibility that we are now... You know, it's I, I, I say this seriously. I think it's look for the exits and get out of America because I think this will be a failed state. So, you know, 
this is really the big question here, right? Is what do we do, right? How do we deal with this issue? You know, if Biden wins the election, I mean, again, he's going to win, but if he is allowed to take the power because um, this fascist coup that's about to commence is unsuccessful, we have to ask ourselves, you know, how do we regulate this technology to prevent this cult-like indoctrination? And this seems very hard to do, right? I mean, there's such there's so many issues of free speech and freedom of information. Plus, you know, there's going to be so many ways for this stuff to kind of hit the dark web or be kind of, you know, remember that the things about conspiracies is you can say, see, they're trying to keep the information from you. This is the truth. And, you know, the powers that be are keeping it from you, right? That's a way for people to get more down the rabbit hole, right? So, you know, I also want to kind of know, do tech companies even understand what's going on? Right, does Facebook, does YouTube, do they understand what's going on? Do they understand it at this level? That they are helping to indoctrinate millions of people into kind of a cult-like status where they're losing their grip on reality and they're then being susceptible to every type of huckster and con man and crazy conspiracy theory. And whether they know or not, do they even care, right? And... I'm not sure they do. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg knows what's going on on Facebook. I mean, they, you know, genocide has been accelerated using Facebook. Facebook was the main conduit for, you know, election disinformation and Russian, you know, meddling. And he just doesn't seem to give a shit, right? So I remember I drunk the Facebook Kool-Aid 10 years ago. I believed that connecting the world was going to be awesome and social media was going to be a force for good. I was incredibly naive and I have to say, now thinking about it now, I mean, it's just, it was idiotic to even believe that. But, you know, I, I wasn't alone. That seemed to be the prevailing thinking. I'm a reasonably educated person. And I just kind of, you know, you, you, I was just thinking, hey, connections is good. You know, let's make it one world and, you know, let's all get together and work on problems. And I did not realize that these technologies are good for discrete things, right? Like if I want to get info on a restaurant, if I want something, you know, some convenience, I want a flashlight, I want a map, you know, obviously the communication features are great to call someone with video while you're, you know, sitting on a bench somewhere, right? Amazing. And the videos have been great for documenting police violence. So in fact, that's something that's probably pretty unambiguously good about these technologies is the ability to document what's going on. But what I was completely wrong about it, and most people were, is you know the addictive features of these technologies to kind of really stimulate the parts of our brain that really again can become untethered from reality and just to indoctrinate us the way cults used to in terms of intense conditioning, these technologies can now do, and they can do it on a mass scale, right? So we're really behind the curve. I mean. The reason I'm doing this podcast is I haven't even read an article of somebody laying it out like this, and I think this is how far beyond the curve, behind the curve we are, right? And these things are, you know, can take on a life of their own really quickly. So we got to do something. And so I will come back with the antidote after the break.
Okay, so on to the antidote here, which is going to be the same as all antidotes up leading up to the election here. Right? This is that we have to work hard to make sure Biden has a significant margin of victory to prevent the fascist coup that is going to come and try to steal the election. So again, this isn't fair. Biden should be able to win by one vote and be the president of the United States, but he can't. He has to win by an overwhelming margin to compensate for the theft that is going to go on, which I will document in more detail in coming podcasts. But look, I'm not saying a Biden win is going to deal with a lot of these issues. In fact, the issue I just mentioned today, you know, this one is way deeper than, you know, than even something that I've seen progressives and Democrats talking about. But at least with a Biden administration at the top throughout the whole federal executive branch, we will have sane, competent people who aren't in the cult and who aren't cult-like figures. And, you know, and we can also start fixing the economy, getting out of this pandemic, because all of these things just feed people into more rabbit hole conspiracy theories and, you know, degraded states of mind. Obviously, also, we got to do climate change stuff. And, you know, again, out here, the West is burning and, you know, we're getting record heat waves everywhere. You know, this stuff is going to get worse. And as things get worse, material conditions get worse, it's going to be much more ripe for conspiracy theories. So like I said earlier, you know, a Biden victory is absolutely essential. This is an existential moment in American history. America as a quasi-democratic, sane country. And, you know, again, we can certainly quibble around the edges if it really ever has been. But to the extent that it even has had the semblance of one will be shattered if Trump has four more years. So make some calls. Make some text messages. Donate some money. Be a poll worker. Step it up. We only got, you know, a few more weeks here. And uh, this is, again, this is the biggest one of our lifetimes for, you know, until the day we die. Because it just doesn't get bigger than this. So, on that note, if you're enjoying the podcast, please share it with family, friends, and colleagues. Uh, Rate it. Also, you can subscribe on Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. And with that, everybody, have a great rest of the week. Take care.